0: A lot of the times, if we're not careful, um, we can confuse—don't worry about it, I'm good, I'm up—we uh, can confuse what what the Scripture says about the end um, with the way that we, we perceive the end, okay? And so what I want you to do as we're, as we're in this series, and I, I understand—and and actually, you know what, just let me just confess— I got a little bit of old school in me, okay? Because I grew up on on this band called the Th- Cathedrals. Has anybody ever just wave at me if you know who the... Who, we're about to have revival. Hang on. They ain't here. I'm sorry. Most of them are going to be with Jesus to be totally honest. But, but I grew up on a band and, and they used to sing this old song as it was in the days of Noah. So the coming of the son of man be when violence filled. It. Yeah, come on. Some of you know it. That's a, I would drive down the road and I'd act like I was Ernie Haas. You know, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you need to go Google it this afternoon because you don't have a clue. But my daddy would put a cassette tape. Um, that's a little piece of plastic. Uh, it's got some it's cord on it film stuff you just roll it and if it messes up you can fix it with your fingers crazy it's cool sometimes those things would get hung up but but man as it was in the days of noah okay so shall be the the coming of the son of man and so we can look at we can look at our surroundings and i know this is a little bit of an old school series when we're talking about the end and, and maybe even moving into the book of Revelation on Wednesday night after we finish the book of Daniel. But listen, I I believe that the Bible still has the answer for the end of time. Okay, I don't believe that that was just something for the apostles. I don't believe that the scripture is just the answer for the beginning of time. I believe that the, the scripture is the answer for the end of time. And also, oftentimes we think of... The end of this life as like the end of it all. Like, like death is the final thing that we face. When actually, and I'll give you this analogy because I I just, man, it just came to me honestly this morning. But it, it's kind of more like high school. You know, um, I mean, how many of you you just had it all figured out in high school, right? You knew exactly who you were, you didn't need anybody telling you nothing. Come on, you had it figured out. Your mama and daddy were old and outdated. They just didn't know. They didn't know what was going on. If they just knew what you faced, then they would have had a better person. Often, that's how we are as people today. We we treat God like we're in high school. We look at him and his word and we go, man, if you just knew what was going on, you know, today. To, in, in, in modern times. Like, I, I know you had the Bible times thing figured out, but you don't understand today's times and then when we get to high school and then we graduate and we're like Woo, i did it i have accomplished the highest of the heights i am done i am finished like i started out in kindergarten and now i just finished 12th grade i'm a big dog now i just won the greatest victory life has to offer and we celebrate them and we give them rings and they come prancing i am getting out of this place Breaking from this prison called high school. Me, no mo' have to get up at 7 and be here by 8. And then all of a sudden, summer is over. And you are a fresh piece of meat. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Either you do one of two things. You enter into the workforce or you go and you become a freshman. Where you thought, yeah, I'm done. I've accomplished it all. I finished with high school. <laughs> finished with high school. You have no clue. <laughs> that's nice. There's so much more. There's a lot more. Okay? Listen, that's, that's this life. I know we're calling this series The End. But actually, it's the end of this thing That's really just the beginning of all things. It's it's really just like graduating from high school. You pass from this life (laughs) and this perspective, and then all of a sudden, you get on the other side, and instantly, you receive a perspective about real life that you had never had before. In this series, we've looked last week at Luke chapter 21. I I just want to take you back there as as a scripture to kind of hang your hat on. Luke chapter 21, verse 19. In the New King James Version, it reads, I believe, some of the most powerful six words in scripture. Jesus himself to his disciples in explaining the last days says, By your patience, possess your soul. By your patience, possess your soul. Now, it's not that your patience saves you, okay? That's not what this scripture is saying. This scripture is a mirror or a reflection of Matthew 24 where Jesus says, those who endure to the end shall be saved. It's not that you just received salvation or you had a really good graduation moment. Come on, somebody. But but that you remain in salvation. okay, That you don't go back to third grade and just stay there. You know, but that's what we do sometimes if we're not intentional and if we're not careful. Verse 36 of that same chapter, Luke 21, Jesus says, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape. To escape all of these things that will come to pass. And to stand before the Son of Man. Now, last week I really broke this down, but I want to recap it this week because I was told by several people that I preached way too fast. And one person even hinted, she didn't say it, but she hinted that it actually got on her nerves. (laughs) So I thought, well, she's probably a a representation of, of more. So I just want to recap just the front end of this being taken up. As the church. Now we believe in this doctrine of being caught up in the air with Jesus or being taken up to be with the Lord, okay? And, and I do believe that that is a very biblical, scriptural idea to believe in. While at the same time, okay, we believe in what we would call the imminent return of Jesus. Imminent being it could happen at any moment, imminent. We will not know the day or the hour, but we can know the season. All right, now let me tell you what is not an absolute doctrine for me. Those two things for me for me, are absolute doctrine. Now, if you don't agree with that, that's great. I love to have those conversations. Bring your scriptures to the table. We'll lay ours out. We can have a discussion, not a debate, not an argument, but we can have a discussion about why you believe what you believe, and I'll discuss why I believe what I believe. But after that discussion is over with, I'm not going to continue to have it. We're going to have the discussion. We can agree to disagree, and we can move on to the more important things. Okay, Here's what I mean by this next part is not an absolute doctrine. What I mean is I don't believe that it is a heaven or hell issue. That's what I mean by an absolute doctrine our biblical absolutes means that I look at them and I go if, if I'm wrong on this I'm sending people to hell if I'm right I'm winning them to heaven Okay, I do not believe listen carefully Okay, I do not believe that when we are taken up is a heaven or hell issue I believe that the fact that we are going to be taken up, the fact that we should be ready when we are taken up, and that it could happen at any moment, and in the meantime, we should be busy about the master's business, winning as many people, ministering to as many people, serving and giving as God purposes in our heart with everything that we have, that is an absolute doctrine. In fact, the win, I'm just let you in on just a, if you won't tell anybody, okay, But the win right now is actually being debated in the highest ranks of the Assemblies of God. Don't tell, okay? Um, We're an Assembly of God church. We tricked you. We didn't put it on the sign. Sorry, I inherited that. I'd have changed it if it were there that way anyways, but since it wasn't, we are an Assembly of God church. We believe in that that doctrine as a church, okay? But they are currently evaluating this pre- which means before tribulation, mid, which means in, right in the middle of it all, or post-tribulation idea. Now, last week I explained a little bit of those terms, and I will explain those terms more in depth after, towards the end of the Daniel series and after the Daniel series on Wednesday night, okay? So we have service on Wednesday night at 7, and uh, man, there's not as many people in the room on Wednesday night as we have in one service on Sunday morning. So, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we dig a little deeper. We'd love to have you there. And that is where, I'm not going to tell you when, (laughs) because you can't know when. You can't know when. You see, that's part of this series. But I'm not going to tell you when, but I can tell you that we will go into that more in depth on Wednesday night. Let me recap with Scripture this week, okay? How we differentiate the rapture or being taken up with the return, okay? According to Scripture. I'm not going to read all the Scripture. Somebody say amen. I'm going to give it to you. You can write it down. You can go read it for yourself. Okay, number one, in the rapture, we are taken up. We are taken up. All right? I'm going to read you. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 and 17. I'll read you that in just a minute. Another co- a, a, a verse that coincides with that is 1 Corinthians 15. 51 and 52 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52 but in the return that's the rapture we're taking up in the return okay, Jesus touches down now the scripture for that is Zechariah I know right? it's a prophetic scripture that Jesus will come down and touch back down on the Mount of Olives Zechariah 14 verse 4 so in the same breath In the rapture, we're removed from earth. We're taken up. We're caught up in the air with Jesus. In the return, He returns. Jesus returns to earth. Okay? In the rapture, Christians see Jesus in the air. Okay? That's not just another old southern gospel song. It's actually a biblical doctrine that the Christians, we as the church, will see Jesus in the air. Okay? But, But in the return... Everybody will see Jesus, okay? An unbeliever will not see Jesus in the air when the Christians are called up. They will not know what's going on. They will be confused. Confusion will break out, okay? And, and, and in the midst of that, many believe that that's when peace will be restored. In the midst of that chaos is when peace will come and, and be restored. And again, the absolutes of that, for me, it doesn't really, it's not a heaven or hell thing, What's important is that we know that Jesus is coming and that we need to be ready. In the return, everybody sees Jesus. The scripture says every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. All right, in the rapture, war is going to break out after, I believe, after the church or maybe during the church or whatever you believe about that. But during the tribulation, the called up in the air, there will be wars and even more rumors of wars. There will be an absolute Armageddon breakout war that takes place. But in the return of Christ, peace will be restored to earth. We will rule and reign with Jesus for 1,000 years. And you can see that in Revelation chapter 19. There's a, a rider on a white horse. In the rapture, Christ receives His bride. We go to meet Him in the air, as I've said. But in the return... He returns with his bride. So we come back with him. All right, here's where we're going to settle in today. In the rapture, we only know the season of which he will come back. Okay, and there's a fig tree analogy there that you can can look at the fig tree and you can tell when it's winter. You can look at the fig tree and tell when it's spring, when it's about to produce, okay? Just like you can look at the fig tree, you can look at the earth. And tell when it's dormant, okay? And you can look at the earth and tell when it's groaning. And it's about to grow and something is about to happen. You can know the season in the rapture. But in the return, you can know, I believe, you can know the day that this will take place. I'll give you four scriptures. You ready to write these down? Here's why I believe this. Daniel 7 verse 25 Revelations 11, verse 2 and 3. That's Daniel 7, 25. Revelation 11, verse 2 and 3. Revelation 12, verse 6. And Revelation 13, verse 5. I believe that we can know the day. 1,260 days. 42 months, the 70th week of Daniel. I believe that when that takes place, we can count down to the day when Jesus is coming back. When that man stands on that hill and proclaims himself to be God and calls the nations to worship him, he defies everything according to those four scriptures. I believe we can know the day that Jesus is going to return. But we cannot know the time or the day or the hour when the church is gonna be called up in the air. And here's the scripture I referenced earlier. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, now watch this, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Now this this verse confused me. Why, if to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, then why do dead people have to rise from the grave, okay? Well, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says that we are body, body, flesh, soul, emotions, desires, and spirit. Okay, When this body dies, it's put to rest, and the soul and the spirit go to be with the Lord. When Jesus comes back, the body will meet the resurrected body, just like Jesus had, the resurrected, initially created, immortal, okay, incorruptible body that cannot die, will meet the soul and the spirit in the air with Jesus. That's an explanation of this scripture. Verse 17, then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up. There's that word. Rapture is never in the scripture. Okay, we get it from this the translation of this word, they will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. All right? If you got your Bibles, you got that page turning thing, you can open that to Matthew chapter 24. And, and by the way, I, I love that sound. I love that like actual pages flipping sound because I, I love when people just write all in the Word of God and and take notes all in the Word of God. Now, on the other end, I also love the fact that I can go to a conference with one thing in my hand. I have my Bible there. I have my Word document there. And I can take... Five pages of notes in one sermon without ever looking up. I can just, I'm telling you, thumbs on fire, y'all. I can work these things out with the best of them. There is one person that can beat me, and she's sitting on the front row. It is unbelievable. I'm telling you, like 154 words a minute with two thumbs. It's amazing what she can do on that thing, okay? But I love the actual Word of God. Matthew 24, verse 42. Verse 42. So you... Jesus talking to his disciples, so you too are also, this is the New Living Translation, must keep watch. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Okay? That's the absolute doctrine. No matter what you believe about all the rapture and return stuff, the absolute peace. The heaven or hell issue is that you don't know what day He's coming, and you need to watch and prepare. Verse 44, I skipped a verse, jumped to 44. You also must be ready all the time. Like, you need to be ready right now. Like, you can't assume that you're going to make it through Sunday service. You can't go out on Friday and Saturday and think, Oh, well, Sunday is coming. I will just go and and repent and ask for forgiveness, and all will, you can't wait wait for the next revival as we've called it over these. You can't wait for camp. I love camp. I believe world changes. The world changes at camp. I believe that people are won and called and saved and camp is a good thing. And you need to send your children and your grandchildren to camp. Can I get an amen from the front row this morning? You, you need to send them to camp. We're sending our babies to camp this year. Glory. Okay. Two of them. Two out of three are going to camp for a week. And with a, a hundred and Eighty-five dollars Man, that's expensive. It's expensive to go to camp. It's almost $200 to send. Where else are you going to send your kid this summer for four days overnight with three square meals a day for $200? You will waste $200 on something else this summer, invest it in the next generation and send them to camp for a week. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, camp changed my life. And I didn't even get to go when I was a teenager. I went as a youth leader. Paid for myself. And I'm telling you, we sit here today having been invested in by those moments that we had at youth and kids camp over the years that changed who we are, who defined us. The Bible says that the Son of Man will come. You must be ready at all time. The Son of Man will come when least expected. That's the moment he's going to show up. Jesus makes a reference as to a thief in the night. In the twinkling of an eye, like, gone. As the lightning flashes from the east to the west, we're out of here, okay? Great. That's really good. But what about right now? Okay, one year at one of those camps, we had this evangelist, and he was speaking. He was led of the Lord, I believe it was like a Tuesday night, to talk about the last days And the end times, okay? And he went to the story in Matthew 25, which we're going to go to by the end of this message. We went to the story in Matthew 25 where there were ten virgins or ten brides awaiting the groom, okay? And in this scripture, you had to make sure that you had all in your lamp. That's where the old song came. Give me all in my lamp. Keep me burning. Give me all. And you sang it 25 times. The same thing over and over again. But the same people that love that song and sang it 25 times within a five-minute period now get mad at the songs that we sing over and over again. Listen, it ain't about... Come on, somebody. It ain't about what generation is singing what song. It's about the life-changing power of the gospel that is inside of that worship set that if you can connect with Jesus in that moment, it shouldn't matter what genre is playing. Come on, my worship's not dependent upon a genre. My, my worship's dependent upon my Jesus. And you can play any song as long as it lines up with Scripture. I'm going to get my worship on. Y'all know what I'm saying? It's going to happen. Okay, I'm back. A youth camp speaker. Now, what we would do, uh, these kids thought it was funny. We had to clean their, they had to clean up their area every day. And some of these kids would not clean up. And they were, they, this is what they would do. They had junk just laying everywhere. And they would say, well, this is the rapture bed. So I got raptured. I said, well, you weren't ready. (laughs) So then, here's what they would do. They would would take their clothes, they would fix their bed, and then they would take their shirt and lay it upright on the bed, and and then their pants under the shirt and put socks down and, and like, shoes right there on the bed. And then they would leave their Bible open behind them, like they was reading their Bible backwards, you know. (laughs) You should have turned your shirt over, dummy. Okay? that's <laughs> Pick your junk up. That's not funny either. But he was speaking on the rapture that night. And we were in the middle of this, this ten bridesmaids thing this last day. And he was talking about being ready. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the service, he had somebody stand up and yell. The bridegroom is coming. Just like that. It scared the daylights. I mean, but now listen, now that's, that's Big Daddy Mike. I'm sorry for all of those people right there. That's Pastor Lydia's daddy. We were trying to figure out who we were going to have. Come on. Let's... Yeah, he raised her. But we have her. Thank you, Jesus. This man yelled out the bridegroom was coming. Man, it scared the kids to death. And he didn't just yell at once. I'm talking about This dude screamed it twice like somebody was squeezing his throat. It was scary. And then right after that, okay, here's what happened. The evangelist said, and just like I want to ask you, were you ready? If that were it, if the groom was coming through the clouds, if that was the trump of the Lord, A baritone bass kind of trumpet. Were you ready? If that was it and that was the moment, is your life in a place, is your heart, more importantly, is your heart in a place where you were ready to meet with Jesus? Number one, if you're taking notes today. The bridegroom is coming. Yeah, were you ready? Okay, there it goes again. Whew, he got me that time. I wasn't expecting it. First one was planned. That one was impromptu. <laughs> yeah. You should hear him laugh and sneeze. <laughs> In a confined space. It's, it's good stuff. Number one, we don't look for signs. We live for Jesus. Don't spend your time looking for signs. Spend your time Living for Jesus. Did you know that the Bible is full of more do's than it is don'ts? And if you will spend your time living out the do's in the will of God, then you won't have time for all the don'ts that keep you separate from Him. I believe that this is about the life that He's called me to live, not just the sin that He's called me to leave. Come on, somebody. I believe that God has invested in me eternally. But when we look around at the signs and and we begin to study the end times and, and we get into the book of Revelation, people become obsessed with when we're leaving. I want you to become obsessed with what we should be doing while we are here. It's not about the when. It's about the what. And God has a what for every single one of us. I know that at times in our nation, even in times in our history, people have stopped serving, stopped giving, stopped ministering, stopped winning the loss because they were so convinced that this is the time. And if we're not careful, it will cause us to get in our Christian recliner and kick up our feet. And I'm telling you that we're going to have to give an answer if we weren't about the master's business when we knew what we should have been doing. I do not recommend. I do not. Let me say as a biblical absolute. I do not recommend that you spend your time trying to figure out who the Antichrist is or when Jesus is coming. Rather, I recommend highly that you prepare, you plan, you pray, and you purpose your time, talent, and treasure to accomplishing God's will for your life because Jesus is coming back, and we need to be ready to meet him in the air. Let me give you a one-liner. We need to be more concerned with serving others then we are saving ourselves. Yes. Just let that, just savor that for just a second. because it slapped me in the mouth too, I mean like a, like a bitter piece of lettuce. I thought, man, why am I in ministry? Am I in ministry because I wanted to save myself and my family? Or am I in ministry because I wanted to serve others? See, right here in this next verse in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says in verse 45, A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. So when you come on Sunday, "Mm, some of you know where I'm going. And you're backing up because you don't want your toes stepped on. A faithful, sensible servant. In the midst of explaining the importance of end time revelation. Jesus ends the passage. A faithful and a sensible servant is one to whom the master can trust. Can give responsibility of managing his other household servants. And feeding them. Verse 46, if the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, if the master returns and finds the servant serving, that's what he's saying, there will be a reward. Okay, hang on now, because this is the heavy part. And this is the part that a lot of pastors get accused of only preaching and people don't like the church over. But if you're going to get mad at somebody, you got to get mad at Jesus, because he's the one that says the next phrase. If the master returns, I tell you the truth, the master will be put, I'm sorry, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns, verse 48, but what if the servant is evil and thinks my master won't be back for a while? He begins beating the other servants, partying, and you remember last week that Jesus put partying, carousing, and getting drunk in the same phrase as the cares of this life. So, the, the servant begins being more concerned with the cares of his own life than the call of God on his life. Okay, verse 50. The master will return unannounced and unexpected and he will cut the servant. My Jesus. Look, ain't no pr- I have never heard a pastor tell his congregation members, if you don't show up for serve day, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to take my machete. I'm going to come to your house, and I'm going to cut them lazy feet off and give them to somebody. But listen, (laughs) this is messed up, man. He will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. I don't want to be part of that crowd. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm going to preach on hell next week. I'm telling you right now. I'm going to preach on hell. It's not going to feel real good. But what you're going to figure out by the end of that message is that hell is not what Jesus has for you. He has heaven for you now and later. And if you will listen to the warning that Jesus said, man, he didn't take it easy right. I'll cut you up, man. I'm like, what? I'm sorry. I don't want to be cut by Jesus. Number two, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Put it somewhere. And never forget it. Because number two today is that God saved me to serve. There's a revival that's happening and I believe it's a last days kind of revival because it's happening as an expression of what Jesus communicated in his last days message. There's a revival not of Holy Ghost slain in the Spirit and speaking in tongues, belly flopping, which I'm not against those. I actually love that it's only happened to me once and I'm envious of people that have had that experience more than me. I'm for those things because I believe that sometimes you need God to reveal himself in that manner in order for you to get out of whatever you were in. Okay? But that is a first move of God. That is a first move of God to get the attention of the person that's not in the place that he would have for them to be. I believe in the last days we're seeing this happen. We are having a revival of servanthood. People are beginning to learn and millennials are expecting. And if they expect it, then what are their sons and daughters going to expect? They don't want to see the show. They want to see the substance. The show is me being saved and filled with the Spirit. And there's nothing wrong with the show. I'm not against the show. Please do not misunderstand me. I needed that to get where I'm going, to get where I am. But I don't need it every Sunday. I need it on my own. Come on, somebody. Eventually, you got to feed yourself you got to quit coming to church every week and expecting the church to feed you and the ministry to be about you. you got to get on board, and you got to get in the substance of servanthood. Matthew 25 is a parable of the talents. It opens up with that passage on the, the ten virgins. Don't do it again. I'm already scared. Okay? And the bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is coming. And they weren't ready. And five of them who were not ready did not get to go with the groom. They did not have, I believe, the oil of servanthood in their lamp. They had spent it on themselves. Did you know that you will consume more of your oil by yourself than you will if you share it with others? Because there will be a continual flow of being poured into you. But when you only spend it on yourself, you cut off that flow. And God can't continue to just pour into you because you're hoarding up too much and there's no room left for anybody but you. Now, verse 20 Now, up, down just a little bit towards verse 20 ish okay? We see this parable of the talents or the parable of the time ability, talent, and treasure given to these servants. Okay? One person gets five bags of silver. Hey, come on. I want to be the five-bag guy. (laughs) Another person gets two bags of silver. Okay? And Jesus gives them that silver. And they go, and to the best of their ability, I want you, in this passage in Matthew 25, I don't have time to read all of it, but you can see that that person took what they were given and they did to the best of their ability what God had called them to do. And Jesus did not come back and say, well, you should have done as much as he did. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Discover the call of God for your life and you do what you can do. And I can promise you that you will receive the same reward as the person that did all that they could do. With whatever God gave them. Now, both of these guys, they did what they were supposed to do. They took what God had given to them and they invested it in others. All right? And then in verse 23, here's what Jesus said. The master said to the servant, well done. You've heard this passage. My good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this $200. Man, I wish I had time to tell you our $60,000 testimony. I wish I had time. You have been faithful. And by the way, man, is $60,000 or two hundred dollars more or less in God's eyes? The answer is no. For Him, it's not nearly as big of a deal as it is for us. That's why my wife said earlier, if you will learn how to be obedient to God in ways that don't make sense... He will begin to reveal himself to you in ways that don't make sense. I'm living in the don't make sense right now because of what God helped us to be obedient to do. The master said, well done. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. That's what I'm looking forward to. Now, the last guy he gave one talent to because he knew that that's all he could give him and he took that one talent that he had and he went and buried it in his own backyard i'm telling you there's a bunch of buried believers in our culture today they have taken what god has done in and through them In great and mighty revivals and outpourings and personal experiences in his power and spirit. And they have used them and planted them in their own heart. Buried them in their backyard as if God can't do what he's done before again. As if he is not the Lord that is able to do even much more than this. And he buried that one thing that God had done. That one thing that God had done in his life, he went and buried it in his yard and he staked his very being on that one thing. That's a dangerous doctrine, friend. It's a dangerous mentality. In verse 26, Jesus addresses, I believe, this doctrine and this mentality. The master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant, And gathered crops I didn't cultivate. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Why didn't you go put it somewhere where you just took just a little bit of risk, believer? Verse 28, then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given unto them. And they will have an... Ab- if what? If, if you just use what God has given you as he purposes in your heart. Is he talking about finances? Yeah. I make no beef about it. Is he talking about my gifts and my abilities? Yes. No beef about it. Is he talking about my time? Because my time is important to me. You know why? Because you don't believe that God can make up for lost time. See, he's the creator of all things that were and are and will be. And so when you deposit it into the kingdom of God, there is nothing that is lost in Jesus' name. It's, just, it's not a matter of, of if it will come back. It's just a matter of when he decides he can reveal it to you, when you can handle it. He will begin to pour out abundance on you. This is not a threat. This is a promise, friend, that if you will spend your time doing what God has called you to, then he will begin to pour out an abundance on you that you didn't see coming. If you will learn how to be faithful with just the little. Well, this is all I have. I don't really have much to give. Good. Give it. And watch God grow it. Come on. It's crazy. Is he talking about finances or my time or my abilities? Yes. Get out of the box. Get out of the box. This old mentality where we've been thinking the same way listening to the same phrases and thinking that they mean the same thing rip the box open tear down the wall and watch God do things that he's done before but even better in these last days from those who do nothing even what they even what little they have will be taken away verse 30 now throw this useless servant into outer dark into outer darkness I'm going to define it next week. Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Alright, listen. Because I don't want to be misquoted today. The reason that this is so important. and, And I'm going to give this as a personal interpretation. Carefully. I want you to hear me. Because I don't want to lose my credentials over this. Okay. It is not just salvation that is the final test it's not it's not just whether you have ever received salvation as the final test of whether you do or do not receive the reward of the father it's servanthood why because servanthood is a reflection of our salvation If you are where Jesus wants you to be with Him, then you will not be able to help but be like Him. And the Son of Man came not to be served and fed every week on the week, but to serve and to minister and to reach out to those who didn't already know Him. I'll prove it with scripture, Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, I'm looking forward to the day. I'm looking forward, but I can wait. You know why I can wait? Because I still see broken people. I still see hurting people. I still see people that need salvation and need the Gospel, that need the infilling of the Holy Spirit with a heavenly language that they can communicate to God in ways that they can't communicate in English. I still see people who need to know the love of Jesus Christ that He came and gave His life for. So although I'm looking forward to it. I can wait because He's coming with all of His angels. Then He will sit upon His glorious throne. 32, all the nations will be gathered in His presence and He will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at His right hand and the goats at His left. We're going to see this. This is referred to in the book of Revelation as the great white throne judgment. We're going to watch this happen and we're going to know who could have been a sheep and who we could have reached to be that way. Then the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by the Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Watch this. How does he know? Verse 35. I was hungry and you fed me I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger. I didn't look like you. I didn't talk like you. I didn't wear your clothes. I didn't smell like you. I didn't have the same color skin or the same texture of hair. But when I walked through the door, you accepted me as if my creator had made me just like he made you. You prepared a place for me. You moved your stuff out of the way. I didn't have to fight to find a seat. It was prepared and ready for me whenever I walked in on that week. I was hungry, you fed me. Thirsty, you gave me. I was a stranger, you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. It doesn't matter what they come in wearing. It matters what they get clothed in before they leave. I was in prison and you visited me. You cared for me, I was sick. Verse 37, the righteous ones will reply... Uh, when we do that that whole phrase they're like I did that come on that's good stuff people come up to me after service pastor when you said were you talking to me I was like okay number one didn't know I said that (laughs) my bad Uh, number two probably I don't know is yes (laughs) didn't mean to that's what I I did that when did I do that Verse 40, the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. I'm telling you that that salvation alone, salvation is not the only test for the last days. It's servanthood, friend. Because watch what Jesus says next. To the ones on the left. Just the opposite, he had said to them. And then in verse 45, he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, when you were so focused on you and yours that you missed the opportunity to help mine, you were refusing to help me. You can't love me if you don't love my bride and my babies. You can't love me if you don't love my children. I will not let you in my house, friend, if you don't love who I love. It's not condemnation, it's not God sitting on his throne with a lightning bolt. It's God protecting eternity from the Spirit that caused Lucifer to lose his place in heaven. You can't love me if you don't love my children. Verse 46, they will go away into eternal punishment, but, come on, let me bring it back. But if you will do Just the simple thing of following me and help me, let me teach you how to love and serve other people. Even if it's just giving somebody a cup of water in my name, then you will receive eternal life. See, all across this sanctuary, we have a choice every day eternal punishment or eternal life as for me and my house I've decided I want eternal life and I'm going to serve Jesus and his people with everything that I have until one day I hear I tell you the truth good and faithful servant because that's what he made me see your reward Father right now I pray that you would help us in this place to choose life Lord I understand that the first step to life is acknowledging that we have fallen short of your glory it's acknowledging our sin, our guilt, our shame our our lack of perfection and holiness for all have sinned and fall short of your glory. And so, God, I understand that the first step to becoming what you created us to be is to be born again. And I pray that if there's anybody in here who has not received your salvation, confess you as Lord, ask for forgiveness, that God, right now, would be their moment. If you're here today, You came in and you weren't living for Jesus. Maybe you were at one point and you're not now. Maybe you never have because you've never heard a message like this or never responded to a message like this. But we're going to pray a prayer in just a minute. Together, everybody. And the Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. If you're in this place and you want to be ready to meet Jesus in the air because you came in here and you're not sure that you were, you want to leave and make sure that you are. If you would just be willing to be included in this prayer, say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I need to receive salvation today. Would you just lift your hand right where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. Thank you, friend. Thank you. That's me. Anybody else? I don't want to leave anybody out. I see you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I see you. Now, church, let me ask you a question. If you're in here today and the Holy Spirit said, it's way more than just salvation. I need you to learn how to serve as I came to serve. And today... You want to be intentional about changing your perspective to be more like His and less like yours. Would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. The Holy Spirit's all over me. I need to make that adjustment today. I want to serve others, not just save myself. Anybody else? Church, would you pray this prayer with me right where you are? If you raised your hand, even if you didn't, We believe that if you will pray this with all of your heart, that God can minister to you right where you are. Believe that He wants to. Pray with me today. Jesus, forgive me for where I fall short. Take my life. Make it yours. Save me from myself. And help me to serve others. May I follow you with all of my heart and accomplish your will for my life and the people you put in it in Jesus name amen come on right where you are can you just praise the Lord right where you are say thank you, Father. Come on, we just had about 10 people give their lives to Jesus. Can you celebrate with the angels today? Come on, stand right where you are today. We're so glad that you came to be with us on this Sunday morning. We've got another service ahead, so we want to ask you to get your babies and make sure that we have room to park. But at the same time, we want you to find a way to meet people that you don't know. We want you to find a way to introduce yourself. So our people, hey, if, if this is your home, Meet somebody that you don't know. Make sure that they felt welcome in this place today. Um, Don't forget, if you have been through the first and second step of Next Steps, or if you've been coming here for like the last six, seven months, and we have not gotten to meet you, you would kind of be considered new to this place. We want to invite you to lunch after our 11 o'clock service. Be about, um, what, 1245? Is that about right? We're going to meet in the student center for the third step and next steps. This is not a ploy. Okay? You come eat with us. If you haven't been through the first two, we're just going to feed you and let you go. Okay? But for those who have been through, this is your third day. Another thing, just before we leave, um, where is my pastor and uh, Joshua Meshes? There he is. Wow. Wow. Right there. Is, a, is he looking for me? I really want I feel like it's the spirit. <laughs> Josh and Amber have come on staff with us um, just here recently. We've been, because of your giving, we have been able to dream and prepare for what we believe God wants us to do. And one of those things was hiring them to come on staff with us and help us launch a, an accredited school of ministry. Right here on our campus. So, if you have a heart for ministry, or you have graduate, graduating seniors, uh, college-age individuals, or young adults who want to take accredited college courses, it'd be in the middle of the week. So, if you have a full-time job, it's gonna be difficult, but we can work with you. I want you to. Josh and I want you to go to that table and see him. Just take a brochure. He can answer any questions that you may have. Sign up, and we're just going to stay in touch with you. If you know somebody that feels like they're called to ministry, like full-time vocational ministry, that's why we want to start this. We want to prepare our own and send them out wherever God wills or maybe even keep them in house. Come on, somebody. It's going to be a good thing. Hey, just open up your hands like I'm handing you a present. Let's get out of here. Jesus, I love you. I bless your people in your name. I pray that you would make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. Lord, lift up your countenance upon us and help us to receive your peace today. Holy Spirit, would you come into our lives? Help us to receive you in your fullness and be an example for you that's empowered to make a difference in others. Anoint us to accomplish your will, to walk in your ways, and to achieve the vision that you have given this church for this community to meet people and grow closer to God together. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.